Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves here at 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Joining you in studio tonight, it's Ian. And Julia. And we invite you on over to our website over at freetalklive.com. The features that you'll find there on the website completely free. So head over there and enjoy those on us. You actually can control the content of the site by submitting different things to it. So if you find something online that you think is interesting, maybe it's a blog post or maybe something fun, uh, maybe a YouTube video, you can submit it and then other listeners can vote up or down as to whether or not they like or dislike what you've suggested. So go ahead and uh, give it a shot over at freetalklive.com. In fact, things have been a little slow on the site since we had a major outage over the weekend due to a hardware failure, which was just awful. <laughs> Probably the worst uh, the worst technical difficulties we've had. So the site was down for over 24 hours, uh, which is really bad. Yeah, and, that stinks. Right. So like when websites go away, people don't tend to come back quite as quickly. And so I wanted to welcome you back if you haven't been back and drop on in and uh, register for an account and uh, try try it out. See what it's like to to help vote up and vote down the different items that you'll see on the site. Because usually it's uh, it's a real good show prep source for us. We go there uh, to see what our listeners are thinking about and what uh, what you guys think is interesting. And of course, the best way to get what you want on the air is to call in at 855-450-FREE. Coming up here tonight, uh, just a what I consider to be one of the most important news pieces uh, that I've ever read from the New York Times. Uh, we'll get to that here in a moment. But first, Chris is on the line in California. Chris, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Julia. Hello. Hey, Chris. I found the talk about the Federal Reserve interesting uh, yesterday, I believe it was. And... Um, the thing that is that most pisses people off about it, looking into it, is when the Federal Open Market Committee purchases uh, U.S. Treasury securities. Basically, they're making they're they're purchasing it using the uh, fractional reserve system, which means that. They only have to have 10% or maybe even less on reserve. Now, these treasuries are what the federal government is selling to finance itself, right? And the Federal Reserve is the buyer of last resort for those treasuries, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Well, they're supposed to be the buyer or or the loaner of last resort. Uh, But when they buy those treasuries, I mean, you're, you're right about what they're for. But when they buy them... Basically, they're, they're purchasing a treasury and then making interest on that with money that they made out of thin air. Right. And where's the interest so the, come so, from? So the public is sitting there paying a, a bunch of private bankers who have the power to uh, make money out of thin air uh, to borrow said thin air money. It's a, cra- <laughs> it's, it's a crazy it's scam. It's completely ridiculous. Yeah, it's a crazy scam, and uh, it's from top to bottom, it's criminal. And like you point out, they're charging interest on money that they're printing out, which of course means it's impossible to ever pay back the principal, because they're charging more in interest than exists in the economy as far as the money that's out there. Yeah, and that's why most of the, most of the federal income tax goes to paying the, the Federal Reserve. Right, and but that's it's, why it's, Andrew Jackson fought against the banks. Yeah, and it's not sustainable. Uh, uh, wait, I thought Andrew Jackson was in favor of uh, of centralized banking. Oh, wait, no, I'm thinking of Hamilton. Apologize. So, yeah. 
Yeah, so I mean, it's just a huge scam, and there's no real way out of it, at least through the governmental system. So I think the only solution—I'd love to hear your idea for a solution, Chris—but it seems like the best solution to me is to create alternative currencies and to somehow popularize them to the point where we can just leave the Federal Reserve note behind. Yeah, I, I actually like Bitcoin, and I participated in that. But that's because the Bitcoin is more like gold. And in that there's a, a finite quantity of it, and uh, the money is, is that quantity of money has been created. And so, when somebody makes a loan, uh, the the interest is there theoretically, and it's possible to pay back the principal plus the interest uh, on that loan if you have if you have the market uh, dictating what's going on. The, the the problem with the Federal Reserve is they they artificially drive down the interest rates. Right now, they're about 0.25%. The banks go and they and they borrow money from them because it's at 0.25%, and, and they don't have to pay uh, for it. Instead of taking deposits from somebody, which is more of a capitalist system, and uh, then they don't have to worry about going under. There's no incentive there because they'll always get bailed out by the American taxpayers. What would probably be better is uh, because gold is finite, and, and, and the issue with that is the, as the population increases, you're, you're going to run out of money for everybody. Uh, and uh, well, so no, well, gold, I mean, gold like, like Bitcoin can be divided down, right? So, I mean, Bitcoin's better than gold in that way because Bitcoin you can go down to like point zero 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 something or other. You can really get divided down in the the uh, digits with that. But gold, you can, you know, as the price uh, as it becomes more valuable in society, it's just you just have to use less of it. Uh, so it doesn't matter that it's finite. In fact, that it, as you pointed out earlier, because it's finite is what makes it valuable. Yes, that's, that's true. But uh, there, there, there is also the issue of population and how many people are going to be having gold. So, at some point, uh, the the supply and the supply and demand rule is going to change how uh, I would say the standard of living is. And, and and so that would have to be looked at. I'm not. Well, but supply not and demand doesn't that, exist in a vacuum, right? So we also have silver out there, which is not worth as much as gold. Mm-hmm. And so it's easy, it's even easier to divide uh, silver down uh, and use make it into more useful. Uh, I guess I'm not sure what, I, what word I'm looking for. Useful pieces, if you will. Like obviously, we are familiar with an ounce of silver. Uh, but what we're seeing now, actually, in the Keene area, is there's a, a new business venture that's starting up. Uh, that is going to be looking to have divisible silver in that they're going to make uh, tenths of silver. So little tenth pieces that you can carry around, carry around with you in your pocket. I think they're also going to do uh, quarter, quarter ounce pieces. And I've seen quarter ounce pieces before, uh, but I've never seen it divided down uh, into tenths. So I think that's an interesting new way to, uh, to do it. And, and of course, it's experimental. So we're going to see what, uh, what happens, whether they're going to throw in their, you know, throw in the towel after a few weeks or if they're going to really make this into a success and make it so business owners accept them. Because really, that's the, uh, the ultimate challenge is to, Get the ideas of hard money and real value-backed currency out into the the population, and get it you know beyond the people that understand the intricacies and difficulties and confusing factors of the Federal Reserve System, uh, because it is confusing. I've seen it in the news recently. What silver or the Federal Reserve? Silver. 
Uh, but didn't that South Carolina business where they passed a law or something? And I've, I remember California a little while back. There was a business in California that was accepting silver. And in Utah, right. I think Utah, they did Utah, something. Chris, thanks for the, the call and the thoughts tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. But the, you know, getting it outside of the Liberty community is the most important part. I mean, the Liberty community isn't big enough at all to sustain an alternative currency, I don't think. Uh, certainly, we're pretty spread thin throughout the country. Although, if you look at these Ron Paul rallies, it's, there's some indicators that show that maybe things are changing. Yeah. Uh, but all that said... You know, you got to have something viable. the The business model has to be viable. It has to make money for the people that are doing the business, but yet also still be affordable enough for the people, you know, for, for people on the other end of it, the consumers, to want to use this currency. One of the tricky parts with doing tenths of silver, of course, is that there's labor that's involved, and so I don't want to talk too much about their business plan. I don't know it uh, intricately. But I know that uh, it's right now a guy in his house pouring silver into molds and literally making uh, making his own silver pieces. Interesting. And so, I mean, obviously, you've got to start somewhere, and that's where they're going to start. And if it keeps working, they'll probably figure out better ways to automate the process and make it more efficient and bring the cost per piece down. But there's there's some labor involved in each in creating each one of those pieces. So, therefore, you can't just take an ounce price of silver and divvy it by 10 and say, that's the price of this. No, it, you'd have to divvy it by 10 and then add in a buck or whatever for the cost of actually making the piece. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of hoops to jump through and, and hills to climb. So we'll see how it goes. 855-450-FREE. But these are important things for people to be doing. And inevitably, mistakes are going to be made. And some things are going to live and they're going to die. And hopefully, out of all of it, we'll see a move, a transition away from the Federal Reserve note. More coming up. You can take... In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel. The printing press. The internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. Talk Live, you can bring up what you want, toll-free, 855-453, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. We'll give you all the features there for free, including archives going all the way back to late 2006. Uh, you can go and download as much as you would like over at freetalklive.com. Now, the Seasteading Institute want to create freedom on the open uh, the open seas. Maybe you've heard about them. We've certainly talked about seasteading in the past, the idea of setting sail and uh, getting away from governments on the mainland. Now, you can actually meet some of the people involved in the Seasteading Institute because they are having what I believe to be their first conference. Uh, the, you can meet fellow forward thinkers and discover where you fit on, into the up-and-coming for-profit seasteading sector. It's happening May 31st through June 2nd at Le Meridian Hotel in San Francisco. Discounted registration is available prior to May 1st, and special rates are also available for students and the press. You can get 10% off with promo code FTL if you get registered uh, before May 1st over at Seasteading. 
www.freetalklive.com. That's uh, seasteading.freetalklive.com. All right, our number again, 855-450-FREE. Coming up, a I think a really important uh, piece from the New York Times about psychedelics and uh, and helping people cope with the idea of their own demise. We'll get to that here in a moment. But Debbie is on the line in Cincinnati. You can take control of the airwaves. Hello, Debbie. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Hi. and Julia. How are you? Hey, just great. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, I was listening to uh, the uh, gentleman on twelve thirty about Trayvon Martin and the rescind of the apology of Zimmerman. Tell me more about it, because uh, obviously I, we weren't listening to the same show. We're uh, we're doing our own show right now. So what what was it that uh, was being said? Well, they just basically was saying that um, Zimmerman rescinded his um, apology to the public. And the family. He rescinded his apology? That's what they said. Hmm. Okay. So, and of course, you're talking about the Trayvon Martin situation where uh, there's a really just a tragic story of uh, basically a nosy, uh, essentially a nosy neighborhood watch uh, person who got way in over his head into a situation and uh, ended up killing, uh, you know, allegedly shooting a, a young man. And it's it's just but absolutely right. something. That, and um, my question is this: Do they have a, a site uh, if you want to uh, send money uh, to help with the uh, attorney fees for this uh, situation? I have the slightest clue. I, I'm surprised that uh, you know, attorneys haven't gotten on board uh, pro bono on this one, just because it's such a such a big case. Normally, an attorney will latch on to a case like this because there's so much publicity around it. The attorney knows right. that he's going to get, uh, you know, even if the attorney it doesn't end up with a huge cash uh, award from you know winning the case down the line, uh, the attorney will end up uh, getting a tremendous amount of publicity, which, of course, is well worth the amount of money they're going to spend on uh, on handling the case. But that doesn't mean there isn't such a thing uh, around. I just uh, I am not aware of it personally. Any other sh- uh, thoughts okay. you want to share tonight? I just feel sad that our society has taken this type of turn when you see our young people being, you know, taken away so easily. And the, I just couldn't believe that the um, amount that they, his bail was 150000 15000 to get out. And here's Mike Vick. He had issues with dogs and he went to jail for three years. No wait. Who went? I mean, I'm not. I'm who, not understanding the thought of the. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm a little confused about uh, what you said. Who had issues with with dogs? Was it Mike Vick? He went to jail three years for the dog fighting. Oh right, the uh, the sports player. Gotcha. So how in the world is somebody that takes a child's life? It's off so easily, or his bail is so low. Well, I think Mike Vick was. Uh, didn't he plead guilty on that? Um, or was that a jury sure. finding? I didn't follow that, but it, it well, doesn't matter. It was a, a dog versus a human life. Was, was totally under, I totally understand. Of course, you know the Zimmerman the case is just beginning. Guilty, it, guilty. No, uh, to, to some extent, though, Debbie, you are comparing apples to oranges because in the Vic case, you're talking about that's what happened after the whole process was over. Uh, the Zimmerman uh, Trayvon Martin case is just beginning, so you know he may be facing many more years. I, but we we won't know until it's all said and done, until it goes to uh, to a jury trial, and then it plays out. At that point, then you'll be able to look at the the sentence 
and uh, you yeah. know, and see how appropriate or and or inappropriate it is. So we've we've yet to actually right. get to that point, and so anything we say here is going to be pure speculation. I mean, for all we know, they'll really hand yeah, it, it to is him. Speculation, but I still, you know, I just feel like society needs to take a close look at the laws. The politicians need to take a close look at the laws, and I don't feel like it should be that easy to commit a murder and walk free for anyone. I don't even care. Well, I see where you're coming from. I think that, uh, first of all, Zimmerman, if he if he jumps bail, he is going to be in a world of trouble because, I mean, he's already in, in some pretty big trouble here. But when you get out on bail uh, for any amount of money, that uh, especially if you've had to put up for a bondsman, that bondsman has a very serious interest in keeping tabs on you. They don't want you to skip on the bail because then they're going to lose. I mean, he, they, don't, they put down $15,000 on $150,000 bail, which means that the bondsman put down the remainder of the $150,000. And so if Zimmerman skips bail, then all of a sudden there's going to be bounty hunters out looking for him. And uh, let me tell you, those bounty hunters are going to get their man. So at this point, <laughs> Zimmerman is not uh, right. Zimmerman is not free by any means. He's just not sitting in a cage pending trial. Uh, and, I, and while I certainly understand that uh, you know people want to see justice done, uh, it doesn't happen. First of all, I don't think justice gets done very often in this country at all. But uh, there's no chance at it happening until the actual trial process is played out and all of the evidence uh, is is put out there. Although my interpretation of what I've learned of the case is that uh, you know Zimmerman never should have been following that young man in the way that he was in, in the first place. He's uh, you know absolutely. he's he's over suspicious. He's paranoid, and whether he's a racist or not, I don't think that matters. I think that anybody it doesn't. It doesn't. Right. That's not even an issue at this point. Right. Debbie, thanks for the okay, call. Well, thank you for uh, yeah, taking my call. No problem. I appreciate hearing from you tonight. 855-450-FREE, the SACL CAI toll-free line. Uh, Julia, are you familiar at all with this case? You know, I've heard the name, I and I've sort of heard the subject, but I just don't follow st- news stories like this. Yeah, clearly. This is a huge uh, I know. story. I'm out is- of the loop, man. You're a very busy lady, and uh, it's, it's understandable. Not everybody can pay attention to everything going on. So uh, there's other stuff in the news as well that's worth talking about, especially this piece here from the Baltimore Sun about how the federal government is actually cracking down on flea markets. That is weird. Now, I've worked at a flea market before. Uh, I was uh, doing a uh, like a not really not. I guess it was kind of an outreach table, and also was doing some petitioning. It's probably about a decade ago. I spent every weekend at a flea market with my dad for a long time when I was a really? kid. Yeah, he used to sell movies because he owned a video store like a blockbuster. Oh, and he was selling off his inventory. Yeah, right? exactly. Over the years, so we would go every weekend and hang out there. So uh, we'll talk more about what the feds are doing. I mean, normally you, if you see cops at a flea market, it's usually the tax guys from the local, like the state trying to get tax out of the, the flea market vendors. But now the feds are poking around and causing trouble. We'll explain why. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it has something to do with sports apparel. 855-450-FREE. Free talk live. Are you looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear? ManVentureOutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, fish finders, and boating equipment from manufacturers like Aimpoint, Bushnell, Otterbox, Crimson Trace, K-Bar, Remington, Streamlight, Winchester, and more. ManVentureOutpost.com. Family owned and members of the Better Business Bureau. Prices so low, some can't be advertised. Get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. 
Talk Live toll-free number here for you, 855-450-FREE. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. And the features that await you there are waiting for free. Unlike those other talk show hosts that want to charge you for accessing their sites, you can enjoy freetalklive.com on the house. Now, if you like the show and would like to help support Free Talk Live, well, one of the ways that you can do that is going to promote us over at promote.freetalklive.com. That's where you'll find different uh, ideas and items. Like, for instance, you can get a free bumper sticker. Uh, you can also download flyers you can print out and fill out and uh, post around town, uh, that sort of thing. Plus, high-res graphics, if you'd like to make your own T-shirts, for instance, you can do that. Uh, in addition, we've also got uh, other items. You'll see it over at promote.freetalklive.com. That's promote.freetalklive.com, and Free Talk Live is brought to you by SACL CAI. Perhaps you own a company, or maybe you know someone that does, uh, maybe you work in the accounts receivable department, and you're struggling to collect money owed from past due accounts. Delinquent accounts are problematic, not only from the standpoint of diminished revenues, but businesses find themselves sidetracked by the arduous task of trying to collect on these accounts. You'd rather be doing what you got into business to do. So your resources are pulled away from what you consider the most important. SACL CAI liberates businesses from these inefficiencies and the vexing task of collections. SACL CAI. You can see their banner at the top of freetalklive.com. Again, that's freetalklive.com. As we continue taking your phone calls, let's go to Tom listening in New Hampshire. Tom, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Julia. Yeah, good evening. I was at the I took my eighth grader down to the Ron Paul rally yesterday afternoon and everybody got soaked in the pouring rain. Oh, this was the one in Philly that I heard was uh, pretty big despite the fact that it was pouring rain out. I heard over 4,000 people attending in the pouring rain. Well, uh, it was a lot of people. I didn't really have a chance to, to count them all, but uh yeah, uh, I could make a joke about it being uh, sponsored by an umbrella organization, but uh, guess who? I mean, you get all these literature tables and stuff there, yep. and guess who had one of their literature table presentations? The uh, the Free State Project uh, had a, a table yes, there. Yes, they did. Yep, we were there. We, I, I was explaining to my son, Lewis that, you know, these people are trying to get people to New Hampshire, so they can all, you know, vote and work for freedom together in one state. And, yep, right. they were there. And Ron Paul made his speech in the rain underneath a tent and everything. And, uh, yeah, it, we, 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 got, we were there. Great. Did, did you grab a Free Talk Live bumper sticker? Because I sent some down there. I don't think I saw those there. Mm. But, I mean, they, they should, they should have been on the Free State Project table. As I understand it. Uh, they might have been. Yeah. All right. Cool. So anything else you wanted to observe from the, the rally? Uh, no, but uh, it was across the street from, you know, you take a look at a bicentennial half dollar, you got a picture of uh, Independence Hall on yep. the back. It was across the street from there. That sounds like a good that's location. Where, that's where it was. Yeah. Thanks, Tom, and, uh, for the call. Yeah. I appreciate hearing from you tonight. 855-450-FREE. Steve in Missouri. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Julia. Steve in Missouri. Okay, am I online? You are. You are on the air, actually. Go ahead. All right. I want you to stop talking about the Trayvon Martin case. Well, we weren't talking about the Trayvon Martin case. Uh, we were just talking about... You've been uh, talking about it. Well, we talked We talked about you've it with a lady been, who called in about it. What do you want me to do, not take yeah, calls from you've people? You've been talking about it over and over and over and oh, over That's again. actually not true at all. I don't know what just show you're listening let to. let it go. What, I don't know what Please, show you're listening just to. let it go. Let it go to the jury. What, what show Please. are you listening to? 
I'm listening to Free Talk Live. Well, you haven't been listening to our show recently then because we haven't been talking about Trayvon Martin at all until tonight when someone called in to, uh, to uh, want to discuss no, it. No, Ian, Ian, sorry, I have to interrupt you. That is not true. Oh, really? When's the last time we talked about it? talking about Trayvon Martin every single night. Yeah, I listen yeah. to your show. You might be drunk or something because that's I not true. I was going to ask if he was drunk every single night. Are you wasted he right now, Steve? Stop talking, Steve. Are you wasted right now because you know you just brought up Trayvon Martin again? You realize that, right? Pardon? I said you just brought up Trayvon Martin. You realize that, right? I I just want you to stop talking about it. All right, consider Steve. it done. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. See, anybody can call in. That's right. Even if you are wasted, you can call this uh, this radio program. And I had my poor whiskey sound effect, but my sound card crashed, so I couldn't get it on the air. And I apologize to anyone who's expecting the pouring whiskey sound effect, because normally that's something I like to play when people who are inebriated call in the show. Uh, sorry, dude. No. First of all, we're not going to ban any topic uh, from Free Talk Live. This is an open phones uh, panel discussion radio program, and anyone can call in about virtually anything. You know, there are some things that we will cross off the list in advance, like if you want to call them promote your event that's happening in your local area, that doesn't make much sense. So we have to have something that people can talk about and there has to be there can be a conversation around and whether you like it or not people are talking about uh, the Trayvon Martin situation it's pretty important to a lot of people out there and if you didn't want us to talk about it you shouldn't have called in to talk about it make sense he was drunk yeah 855-450 free oh yeah and i challenge uh, i challenge steve or anybody else who thinks we've been talking about Trayvon Martin every day to go back within the last 7 uh, 7 days and actually find an instance of us talking about Trayvon Martin because i'm pretty sure the Trayvon Martin discussion only came up tonight that's the last time i can recall it in within the last week 855-450 free now julia you actually had uh, an interesting scary uh, story about right. blogging. You've uh, you've kind of gotten into the world of blogging yourself, as I understand it, and so this has to be particularly uh, you know close to home as far as how it's right. striking you. Well, it's it's regarding um, a food blog, and I love food blogs. I read a lot of them, and um, it, it, there's sort of this huge like healthy living community basically online through these blogs and. And these people, they don't make any sort of real health claims. They just say, you know, my experience was I feel good and healthy and, you know, not sick and stuff when I eat well and exercise. Like, Mm -hmm. that's the claim. And everybody kind of has their different take on what diet works for them. Well, I mean, I'm sure there are blogs out there where somebody says, so and so cures cancer. Right. Um, Which would be a health claim. But so it's just a blog. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so this is from the Carolina Carolina Journal. I thought it was in California, but it's actually in North Carolina. Okay. Uh, out of Charlotte, the North Carolina Board of Nutrition is threatening to send a blogger to jail for recounting publicly his his battle against diabetes and encouraging people to follow his lifestyle. Chapter 90, Article 25 of the North Carolina General Statutes makes it a misdemeanor to practice dietetics or nutrition without a license. Mm. According to the law, practicing nutrition includes assessing the nutritional needs of individuals or groups and providing nutritional counseling. So if he thinks that uh, this particular approach worked to help him with his diabetes, then 
he's not necessarily targeting an individual. He's suggesting this to anyone who might be concerned right. about diabetes. He's sharing his story. And so, therefore, he's sharing his story with a group, and the state is threatening him over this. Correct. They're saying that because you aren't licensed, you haven't gone through the state's process and gotten our paperwork and paid our fees or bribes, therefore, you can't have freedom of speech. Correct. Uh, Steve Cooksey has learned that the definition, at least in his eyes, is expansive. When he was hospitalized with diabetes in February of 2009, he decided to avoid the fate of his grandmother, who eventually died of the disease. He embraced a low-carb, high-protein paleo diet known also as the caveman diet. That diet, he said, made him drug-free within 30 days. By May of that year, he had lost 45 pounds and decided to start a blog about his success. And that is very common in the blog community. Like people have a, a really, you know, something happens to them and they decide to be healthy in whatever way they think is right. And they share their story, you know, when they lose 45 pounds and they feel like a great person and they get off these drugs, then they tell people about it because they really believe it. I want to hear more about his story here in a moment. We'll continue at 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line because apparently the state of North Carolina, is it? Yes. They're coming down on this guy. Uh, we'll explain more. one 450 You, of course, can take control of the airwaves. It's Free Talk Live. Here on Free Talk Live, we've been pretty excited about the Bitcoin. It's a decentralized, free market digital currency. You can learn more about it at weusecoins.com. But if you already have some Bitcoins and you'd like to spend them, you can spend them at spendbitcoins.com. When you spend Bitcoins on Amazon via spendbitcoins.com, Free Talk Live gets a cut. Or if you're an Australian trying to figure out how to buy Bitcoins, you can buy them with cash at au.spendbitcoins.com. Once again, that's spendbitcoins.com. is Free Talk Live, and you are invited to take control of the airwaves. Toll-free number here, 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Julia. And you can join us over at freetalklive.com, where you'll find a variety of features, and those include the mobile site. So if you would like to access... I have to tell you, we've been having some serious problems with the web server recently, and we're still having problems, so bear with us as we uh, get through this bumpy road. Uh, At some point, the site will be back online. It's off again. But anyway, normally when it is working, uh, mobile, the mobile site is m.freetalklive.com. It gives you quick access to our live streams, which, by the way, are still online. You can still uh, listen to the streams, even though the site itself is not on. You can just open up hi h-i-g-h dot freetalklive.com in any web uh, in any media player so your windows media player itunes winamp just open that url and you'll be able to get tuned into live streams uh, so apologies for uh, these technical difficulties over at freetalklive.com the mobile site again m dot freetalklive.com now julia you're uh, telling us about a story out of north carolina where someone has been blogging about their personal health experiences uh, they've had some success treating diabetes, I guess, and right. they are excited. I mean, when you find something that works for yourself, uh, whatever it is you're trying to accomplish in your life, whether it's health-related or something else, you find something that is useful for you, naturally, you want to tell people about it. Right. And so that's what this person was doing on their blog. Correct. 
Um, but this past January, the state dietetics uh, and nutrition board decided that Cooksey's blog violated state law. The nutritional advice Cooksey provided on the site, according to them, amounts to practicing nutrition, which I don't think that's true at all, but I don't know. Mm. The board director says, um, and in North Carolina, that's something you need a license to do. Wouldn't you think that, again, obviously, I don't know what the ins and outs of these state laws are, but wouldn't it seem that in order to practice, put quotes around that, nutrition, that would mean that you'd be offering services for money? That's my thought, exactly. And I mean, this I'll go to his blog in a second, but I am very aware of these health blogs and they're right. free. I mean, it's Who's just... Who's going to pay money to get into somebody's opinion site? Yeah. So that's what, to me, if somebody talks about, you know, stuff like health advice, that's not the same as paying a doctor. Sure. You know what I mean? In no way, shape or form is that uh, the same. I don't see how... I mean, this is crazy. It's a crazy uh, restriction on free speech. So he's being investigated or threatened? It says here, unless Cooksey completely rewrites his three-year-old blog, he could be sued. Yeah, but he could be sued by the licensing board. If he loses the lawsuit and refuses to take down the blog, he could face up to 120 days in jail. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The board's director says Cooksey has a First Amendment right to blog about his diet, but, but. he can't encourage <laughs> others to unless the state has certified him. He can't him. encourage others to do the same thing he did? That is crazy. If South Carolina wanted to, and I shouldn't even say this because I don't want to give anyone in South Car- or North Carolina, North Carolina the idea, but if they looked online, just did a Google search, they mm-hmm. could very easily find all kinds of blogs just like this. Maybe he's the only in one in North Carolina. Carolina. Maybe. Are there that many blogs? I mean, yes, there are a lot. There aren't a lot that are really popular. You know what I mean? There's certainly levels of blogs. I don't know. Okay. So you hadn't heard of it. Well, he's a paleo blogger, and I don't, I'm not paleo, so I don't really read a lot of paleo blogs, but it's just not my cup of tea. Yeah. But, um, like, I know that, you know, for example, in Florida every year they have um, the Orlando Blogging Conference, and there's tons Mm -hmm. of blogs you never even heard of there. You know, it's a national conference. Right. right. I, I mean, there's all kinds of them, though, right. is my point. There's regional, there's lo- local, and there's all kinds of blogs on all like that do this exact thing. Well, everywhere. maybe this is, you know, maybe this is them, them testing the waters. Yes, so to speak. I, I believe that's the case. I would be concerned if I had a health food blog. right? Absolutely. Now. So he's obviously very open about his location on the blog. In theory, and that's just my guess. I haven't been to the blog yet, but how else would they have known he's right. in North Carolina? So it must somehow reveal that information you know maybe on like the about me page for the blog site i'm so and so i'm from north carolina and what you have to wonder is how did the state board oh, get a, a draw here's a line how he got him? it i well here's how so it says here that he attended a nutrition seminar the speaker was the director of diabetes service she was giving out wrong information just like everybody else does she was promoting low carb or i'm sorry low fat high carb diets so i spoke up after the meeting i handed out a couple of business cards and pointed people to my website three days later he got a call from the director of the nutrition board Basically, wow. she told me that I could not give out nutritional advice without a license, which that's crazy. Wow. So so he did he promoted himself and the wrong person got yes. a hold of his information. Right. Perhaps and snitched him out. The person if he went to a nutrition conference, 
there's a light and somebody was speaking, they could have very well been a part of that board, a state board. Right. You know, um, he said that she told him that his website was being investigated and gave him some suggestions about how to bring it to compliance. Mm. If he does not go along, the board could file an injunction and essentially shut his website down. Wow, it's crazy. And uh, Carla... And he's facing 100, was it 120, 120 days, days in jail, in jail if, if he doesn't, doesn't comply. Mm-hmm. Which rewriting three years worth of blog posts would take That's a huge. long time. That's Basically, huge. he just has to rewrite it so that it never suggests that anybody else does follow this. his advice. Yeah, which is crazy. I, you know, it is crazy, and I hope that this guy has the huevos to continue on, because it would be really sad for him to just bow down to this threat. Well, what's interesting about this blogging community is that, and I, I haven't checked out his blog, so I don't know if he's these this level yet, but there are quite. A, a large number of nutrition bloggers out there who actually make enough money to make blogging their full-time job. Mm-hmm. And so they would be in a position to go to go to jail. You know what I mean? They wouldn't be leaving a job. They Good point. They could hire like a lot of them if independent they, from a corporation or whatever. Right. So a lot of them like if they take a vacation for example, they'll have guests come and post on their blog. So you can and, blog from jail like I did. Okay, you could do that. Yes. You could talk about um, the jail food. Yes, and, and making healthy choices in jail. Yeah, um, there's not many healthy choices no, you know. can make in jail. You either eat it or you don't. Right, but I mean, in my opinion, if this were me, I would absolutely, if my blog was popular enough to where I didn't work and I just uh-huh. blogged, it seems like it would be great publicity for your would blog. Would you really? That's great. Yeah. It, sure, it totally would. And I think they'd probably back down, too, because he would essentially be the first blogger to be put in right. jail. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's already happened, but it's certainly. I I've heard never of it. heard about this. I can imagine that this is huge news in the nutrition blogging community. Yeah. And well, how did you come across it? Um, there in the nutrition in the blog. blogging yeah. community. Yeah. I also saw it on Facebook, so it's just kind of going around with people right. that I know that are really interested in food and nutrition. I mean, it, it's already newsworthy. It already looks bad for the state agents and what they're doing here, picking on I mean, a clearly, diabetic. Right, picking on a sick guy and also uh, going after freedom of speech. But if they were to actually follow through with their threats and take this and bring him up on some sort of criminal charge, and then he goes to court and then is convicted by a jury of his peers <laughs> for blogging. I, could you be, would he, well, like 120 days, maybe? I would presume there'd be a jury trial involved in that. I don't know what all the, the rules of the court system are in North Carolina. I suppose there's a small chance it could be a bench trial and he could just yeah. be taken in without a jury trial. But either way, to have any blogger you know, sentenced to any jail time for blogging an opinion is just absolutely not anathema to the idea of free speech. And uh, we already know there's that free speech is a joke uh, in this country, but it would really, I think, hammer that home for folks. And if he could blog from jail, it would make it all the better. Well, I can tell you that this is something that um, he, he will easily be able to rally national support in the blogging community. This is huge. And this affects every single one of them. You know what I mean? Because they all believe in what they eat and they all suggest it. They talk to people right. about it. I mean... Is it illegal to tell someone in person, too? Like, like this works for I, me? Right. If I say, hey, Julia, you should try this. Yeah. Not that you take any advice from me, but uh, you know, as far as I health would. is concerned. Oh, no, not <laughs> I don't for know a damn thing about that. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, but is that illegal? Just to, to tell someone something? I mean, again, this guy isn't making money off of this. It's a blog. You can go. You can read it. You can share it. You can disagree with it. You can probably comment on it. Yeah. 
it's just, this is insane. I know. It's heartbreaking. So is that all that you have to share from this? Uh, yeah. The next section is called The Law, so I don't want to read that. That sounds okay. boring. It does. The Law. Usually, usually I think is. it's just the lady pointing out all the ins and outs of the law. Well, let's talk a little bit more about that, though. I mean, from the, the, the law aspect of it, not necessarily the details, but of why this board, what was it, the, the Board of Natural Of Nutrition and Dietetics. Nutrition and Dietetics Board. This is essentially a protection agency for the nutrition people who have paid the bribes to the state in order to be protected from other people who haven't. 1-855-453. And that's what regulations are all about. It's not about protecting you, the consumer. It's about protecting the businesses. Right. The established businesses. 855-453. Your thoughts are welcome. You can bring up anything. Free Talk Live. The Seasteading Institute. They want to create freedom on the open seas. Did you know they're having a conference? You could meet fellow forward thinkers and discover where you fit into the up-and-coming for-profit seasteading sector. It's May 31st to June 2nd at La Meridian Hotel in San Francisco. Discounted registration prior to May the 1st. Special rates for students and the press. Get 10% off with promo code FTL. Get registered before May the 1st at seasteading.freetalklive.com. Seasteading.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Dial in toll-free, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com and uh, enjoy the features there. When the site is online, unfortunately, we're having more difficulties, so please bear with us. I'll try to get this thing in order at some point here. 1-855-450-FREE is the number. We are still on the air because uh, the website is not a requirement for us to do this radio show. We're here to uh, talk to you about whatever you want. Toll free again, 855-450-FREE. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. Tonight, it's Ian here. And Julia. Julia, you were telling us in the last hour about a disturbing case that I think anybody who cares about freedom of speech needs to be aware of. Uh, It's a blog. And did you give the name of the blog? If you did, I don't recall what it was. Diabetes Warrior. Diabetes Warrior. And you've looked at the blog site. It doesn't seem like anything to write home about. Uh, but it's it's very basic. It's um, it looks like a really you know he just took a theme and set it up that way. It is uh, it, uh, the articles I see when I first look at it are just articles about eating paleo, which is a very common topic online and on food blogs. Do the paleo things huge these days? Yeah. Diabetes hyphen warrior dot net. Oh yes. So this uh, site, this guy has been writing about his own personal experiences, and he believes in this approach, you know, whatever his approach is, uh, the paleo thing, etc. And he's had experience, and he had a positive experience, and he wants to share that with people because, you know, he wants other people to, to benefit from his experience. It's not like he's trying to cash in on his experience he's not offering consulting and you know is is he right i don't see that i don't see anything it looks like a typical food blog where um he's got an about me section he's got some meal plans listed he's got a fitness section where he just talks about what exercises he does he looks good too i'm looking on his diabetes support page here uh lost some weight he's he's got cut looks like he's been working out and I mean, he he's, he looks healthy. Yeah. So uh, he's now they're coming after. He's lost seventy eight pounds, by the way. That's pretty good. Uh, they're coming after him. They being the state of North Carolina, the board of 
what was it again? Board of Nutrition People? And Dietetics. Yeah. Board of Nutrition and Dietetics, where they're basically telling this guy, hey, you better update your blog, your three-year-old blog. Go back and edit every single blog post and take out any references to advising people or suggesting that people follow your path, which was successful for him. Uh, he's advising that people follow his uh, his path. They're saying, get rid of all that or else you're going to face 120 days in jail. That's crazy. For violating the uh, the licensing laws. Because they're saying that unless you are a licensed nutritionist, you can't recommend to anyone anything. You can talk about your own experiences, they're saying, but you can't recommend that anyone do what you did. And this is nothing more than a protection racket. It reminds me of how the pharmaceutical companies won't let any sort of like, you know, know, some people are really into herbs and or whatever, like what is it called? Haleopathic medicine. Uh, I don't know. I'm not into it personally, but, you know, there are people out there who are really into natural remedies and things like that. And and naturopathic is uh, they're not allowed to talk about, you know, they're not allowed to make any kind of health claims. They have to sell. They have to sell it as um you know, just a, an herb. And I have a problem with that, too. Those, I do, too. That's federal. Uh, the, that's the FDA that does that. They prevent health claims from being made about right. natural uh, remedies unless there are ways to get a, I guess, to get around that. But you have to go through the FDA. Essentially, you would have to, you know, jump through some insane, expensive process to get them to verify claims and and have it scientifically tested and all that. And I understand where they're coming from in that the the claim is that, well, people need to be protected from false claims being made but it's nonsense let the buyer beware let the uh, the people out there selling and buying these products be the ones to judge what which you know let the well, sellers decide what to put on their shelves for whatever reason they want and let the buyers decide whether or not to buy them off the shelves and, and in this case you're not going to lose anything you're not purchasing a product he's suggesting a diet so you right. could try the diet out and if it doesn't work for you you could stop how many i mean how many blogs have dietary suggestions on them a lot of them right so there's a huge blog community that sort of surrounds this paleo even so this is really disturbing and uh and by the way i'm looking here on his website he doesn't seem to have actually blogged about this has he oh wait very low, low carb strict paleo experiment is over is that what he's no, i don't even see this here doesn't, no he doesn't even seem he's to have probably a headline concerned about getting in trouble yeah you know he said that That's lady contacted him and she probably said you know if you talk about this you know you're in trouble you know when brad jardis uh one of our co-hosts here he's, he's gonna be on next monday night he's on every other monday but when brad jardis was ordered by a judge in a case to post to the blog on free keen i don't know if you were paying attention to this uh julia but i deleted his blog post and then made a blog post basically telling the judge the judge to go screw off because he doesn't own this blog and it would be nice if more bloggers would uh you know stand up maybe maybe more of them would maybe this guy's just uh, scared he's never dealt with the government before he doesn't know how to approach this he wants a lawyer or whatever he probably wants to get a lawyer and get advice prior to, to doing anything further but i hope he doesn't bow to this i i hope he doesn't do this because this is just pure intimidation i think this would be a fascinating case to take to trial and uh and i would hope that he would win i would hope that freedom of speech still exists to the point where where he would be able to have a blog with opinions posted on it and if he doesn't win and he does go to jail to for 120 days that should be something that is just spread across everywhere and people need to know about this i'm glad you brought it up tonight because this is really important stuff yeah i agree
Your thoughts are welcome at 855-450-FREE. I mean, I don't imagine there's anybody out there listening that's thinking to themselves, you know, this guy shouldn't be able to give opinions on his blog. Uh, who thinks like this, except for whoever the dirty snitch was that this guy was at a conference, you said, last hour, handed out some uh, business cards to promote his blog, and uh, some busybody decided to snitch him out to the Nutritional Health Board over in you North know, Carolina. You know, it, it was at a nutrition conference, so I imagine the person who decided to snitch him out was probably a nutritionist who... Of course. Pretend, you know, I think a lot of businesses, not even in the nutrition world, are having to be more creative because the internet, you know, makes it easier to get information out there. Sure. I mean, there's lots of businesses that are probably losing money. Think about phone books. Oh, God, yeah. Like, who uses a phone book? You couldn't really advertise in you a phone book. You probably have to be over 60 to use a phone yeah. book. So I, I imagine that the nutritionists probably, may, you know, maybe they're hurting for money or whatever. Maybe business well, isn't as good. Right. But existing licensed businesses have been snitching out unlicensed businesses right. forever, ever since licenses have ex- existed. It's the old uh, abused slave, slave on slave mentality. Uh, the idea being that it's the cycle of abuse. So therefore, because these people have jumped through whatever arbitrary, expensive uh, hoops that the state government people have put up for them to get their precious license that they're likely to snitch out whoever doesn't because they feel bad they feel like they got the short end of the stick hey i had to jump through all these hoops i had to do all these hours of training i had to go you know go to these state classes i had to jump through all these uh, ludicrous hoops in some cases because we know that like uh, there was a story in dr mary ruart's book healing our world about the uh, the little i guess teenage girl who was doing african hair braiding she uh was told by the state after a newspaper did an article on her the state came down on her and said you can't be doing this you don't have a beautician's uh permit and so she had uh, she looked into what it took to get a beautician's permit and it's like a thousand hours of training but not one of those thousand hours of training covers african hair braiding That's so funny. it's just a total racket from top to bottom that's something I don't understand at all because you can't even get be behind the well. It, you know, it's not safe to give people dietary advice with hair cutting. It's like that is just so obviously a racket. It you could cut off someone's sense. ear. I suppose you could, but you it'd could, be hard. You could blind them with chemicals. But trying, you can buy here. your own hair dye and buy dye your hair in the bathroom. Right. Well, it's okay if you hurt yourself, but uh, you just can't hurt somebody else for money. Yeah. Yeah. All right, 855-450-FREE. I would love to hear from somebody, you know, if you've got thoughts on this, who actually supports the state in this matter? Because I can't imagine many people do besides the handful of people, the few dozen or however many hundred, you know, licensed nutritionists there are in the state of North Carolina. It's the same thing with radio sta- some radio station owners. They're the ones who snitch out the pirates more so than anyone else. It's same thing. You get a license from the state, all of a sudden you feel like you're entitled to, uh, you know, no one else being able to compete with you unless they do the exact same uh, things that you have done. 855-450-FREE. The SACL CAI toll. Free line. I say let everybody operate their businesses and whatever they want and let the market decide who's doing a good job. 
Do you have a product or service that you can sell to a national audience? Free Talk Live is a nationally syndicated radio program on more than 100 radio stations coast to coast. We've been named Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list. That's the 100 most important radio talk shows in the nation thrice. And five times the best political podcast from podcastawards.com. You can have access to our more than 100 radio stations and our large and loyal podcast audience for less than $1,000 a month. Contact me, Mark, at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Dial in toll-free at 855-453. The SACL CAI toll-free line 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Lots of features there that are totally free for you. Over at freetalklive.com, we'll let you know when uh, it is back online. Been having technical difficulty after technical difficulty in a sort of a when-it-rains-it-pours scenario. It's been the worst week ever. For the freetalklive.com website. Also, uh, feel free to drop by our Facebook page at facebook.freetalklive.com. That is online, and would love to have suggestions uh, from technical whiz uh, wizards. You know what? What do you do to have uh, the the redundancy that the bigger sites have? Because you know Google doesn't go down, right? So there's some sort of backup system, obviously, that uh, the bigger sites have, and I'm interested to know what uh, if there are any affordable solutions out there because like we're paying less than a couple hundred bucks uh per month for a dedicated server that runs free talk live it runs free keen it runs several different uh websites and most all the time it works really well so you know it's really hard to justify going out and spending twice as much for instances where you really only need that kind of backup maybe once a year or something like that. It's very rare that there's downtime uh, with the server. So is it really worth doing that? Uh, I don't know. It's hard, to, it's hard to say that it is. Anyway, interested in your thoughts over at uh, go to facebook.freetalklive.com uh, and you can drop your comments in there. Our number here is 855-450-FREE. That is uh, the SACL CAI toll-free line. So, uh, by the way, want to also encourage you to check out the Bitcoin it's the world's first potentially anonymous digital cash. We mentioned them earlier. Uh, actually, one of our callers mentioned them earlier in the show tonight and talked about how he's been using Bitcoin because they're really useful. Uh, there was something recently where I wanted to give some money to MailToJail.com, uh, which is a great service that allows you to write to liberty activists that are sitting in jail uh, right now. And the new operator of Mail to Jail has added Bitcoin as a way to accept contributions to the site. And there was this other thing that he had called Dwala, which you know I had to go and sign up for. And I was kind of halfway through the sign up process. And I was just like, screw this. I'll just send Bitcoins. I went into my Bitcoin client, clicked the address, uh, copied the address over to which I wanted to send it, put in the amount I wanted to send and hit send. I, I was done. I mean, there was no process there was no signing up. There was no any. There's no verification. There's no governmental involvement. There's no corporation that's controlling it. It's completely open source, completely uh, peer-to-peer, distributed, decentralized currency. And that's one of the reasons why governments are really af- they're you know these guys are afraid of the Bitcoin. It's dangerous to their power structure. You can learn more about it at weusecoins.org. That's weusecoins.org. And thanks to bitinstant.com, you can have bitcoins in less than an hour by depositing cash at any major bank. Buy your bitcoins with cash at bitinstant.com. 
So there's this news piece from the New York Times I mentioned at the beginning of the show, and I wanted to hold on to this uh, for, for your night on the program, Julia, because I, I know you have a, a special appreciation for this. It's called, and I think it's one of the most important pieces that has ever uh, hit mainstream publishing. I mean, this is the New York Times. Obviously, newspapers are dying, but the New York Times still has some pretty big uh, name recognition. It's still pretty important in the world of, of news media. So the idea that this news piece uh, is out there in front of people is, I think, great. It's called How Psychedelic Drugs Can Help, pa- Psychedelic Drugs Can Help Patients Face Death. Pam Sakuda was 55 when she found out she was dying. Shortly after, by the way, this article by Lauren Slater. Shortly after having a tumor removed from her colon, she heard the doctor's dreaded words. Stage 4, metastatic. Sakuda was given 6 to 14 months to live. Determined to slow her disease's insidious course, she ran several miles each day, even during her grueling treatment regimens. By nature, upbeat, articulate, and dignified, Sakuda, who died in November of 2006, outlasted everyone's expectations by living for four years instead. She was alarmed when anxiety and depression came to claim her after she passed the 14-month mark. So she'd gotten to the end of the line by what the doctors told her, and she got really upset and depressed. Her days darkening as she grew closer to her biological demise, Norbert, her husband, explained it this way. When you pass your own death sentence by, you start to wonder, when? It got to the point where we couldn't make even the most mundane of plans because we didn't know if Pam would still be alive at that time. Concert, dinner, uh, would she be there for these things? When came to, cl- uh, came to claim the couple's life completely, their anxiety building as they waited for the final day. Her fears intensified. Sakuda then learned of a study being conducted by Charles Grobe, a psychiatrist and researcher at Harbor UCLA Medical Center who was administering psilocybin. Now, that's the active component of, of uh, magic mushrooms to end-stage cancer patients or to end-stage cancer patients to see if it could reduce their fear of death. Now, 22 months before she died, Sakuda became one of Grobe's 12 subjects. When the research was completed in 2008 and published in the archives of General Psychiatry last year, and I think we talked about uh, some mushroom-related stuff at that time, the results showed that administering psilocybin to terminally ill subjects could be done safely while reducing the subject's anxiety and depression about their impending deaths. Now, the study's author, uh, Charles Grubb, his interest in the power of psychedelics to mitigate mortality sting is not just the obsession of one lone researcher. Dr. John Halpern from the Laboratory of Integrative Psychiatry at McLean Hospital in Belmont, Massachusetts, who's a psychiatric it's a psychiatric training hospital for Harvard, used MDMA, also known as ecstasy, in an effort to ease end-of-life anxieties in two patients with stage 4 cancer. And there are ongoing studies right now, two of them, using psilocybin with terminal patients. Uh, they, uh, there's one at New York University's Medical School and John Hopkins Bayview Medical Center, where the study author there, Roland Griffiths, has administered psilocybin to 22 cancer patients and is aiming for a total sample size of 44 He says this research is in its very early stages, uh, but we're getting consistently good results. Grobe and his colleagues are part of a resurgence of scientific interest in the healing power of psychedelics. Michael Mithofer, for instance, has shown that MDMA is an effective treatment for severe PTSD. Now, MDMA isn't really classified as a psychedelic, is it? It's an an empathogen. It is, but it has those qualities you know it doesn't have any visuals and i think that's kind of why it's not really a psychedelic but it has some mind opening 
abilities like a psychedelic would. Halpern has examined case studies of people with cluster headaches who took LSD and reported their symptoms greatly diminished. And psychedelics have been recently examined as a treatment for alcoholism and other addictions. Wouldn't that be interesting? That And we talked about this alcoholism uh, study recently that... LSD, one of the most, you know, frighteningly uh, portrayed drugs out there, could actually be a key to help people beat one of the most horrific uh, diseases that uh, that exist or addictions, alcoholism. Yeah, um, I actually and read. We're talking a, about one dose, by the way. Yeah, I read a story about someone who um, used MDMA to kick a heroin habit, and it worked. And, it and they said they just didn't have the desire to do it anymore. After how many? How many doses? Um, a couple. They said it wasn't often either. We'll come back with more because this is an incredibly important article, especially when we start getting to the experiences of what happens with people that are going through these trials. Again, talking about not just LSD, uh, but psychedelics in general, uh, psilocybin, LSD, etc., and how these things can have really positive effects if used in the correct manner. If you're taking it to you know, get effed up at some party, that's going to be different than taking it for a clinical or a spiritual purpose. More coming up. Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Shop.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, get a great deal, and a portion of your purchase goes to benefit Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon via shop.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, toll-free number here for you, 855-453. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us over at freetalklive.com. Lots of features await you there when the site's working, and it's not right now. Apologies. But you can normally go to news.freetalklive.com, and you can get signed up to follow us via email, Twitter, Facebook, and those are great ways uh, to keep in the loop with what's going on with Free Talk Live. Go to news.freetalklive.com. And you can get signed up there. That's news.freetalklive.com here with you tonight. Actually, take it back. The the site's now online. So there you go. Head on over and enjoy. While it lasts, hopefully it'll stay up. Freetalklive.com. Here tonight, it's Ian. And Julia. We're talking about uh, what I consider to be one of the most important news articles that I have ever read. Uh, When I saw this over the weekend, I thought, oh my gosh, Julia has to hear about this. And of course, our audience uh, should as well. Because it talks about psychedelic drugs, um, LSD, psilocybin, which is the active ingredient in magic mushrooms. They're categorizing MDMA, and there's some crossover. But uh, these different drugs and how they can be very therapeutic for people used in the right conditions, you know, not in a party environment. And I I don't tend to think that uh, LSD and psilocybin are particularly party drugs myself, but some people see them uh, that way. But uh, when you're taking psychedelics, set and setting are very important. And your mindset going into it, what you want to accomplish with the the trip is very important. The location where you are, your comfort zone, you know, all these things are very important. And so what we're talking about here are people with terminal illness, terminal cancer. And how these drugs are actually, according to these studies, they're helping these folks understand death and accept 
the idea of their own impending demise. And this gets really into some interesting detail on how exactly this is happening. And so I'm going to continue from the New York Times, the article here. And by the way, we'll link to it over at the Free Talk Live BBS for you so you can see it on your own. It's called How Psychedelic Drugs Can Help Patients Face Death. And it's interesting because this, these, a lot of these ideas, like, for instance, the idea of uh, LSD helping beat alcoholism, that's an old idea. It's something that was being studied back in the 1950s and the 1960s before the insane war on drugs came about and just wiped all that out. So what they're pointing out here is that uh, you know the, this is not new at all. Uh, these folks have been uh, – the, the colleagues are part of a resurgence of scientific interest in the healing power of psychedelics. And so despite the promise of these early investigations, Grob and other end-of-life researchers are careful about the image they cultivate, distancing themselves as much as possible from the 1960s when psychedelics were embraced by many and used in a host of controversial studies, most famously the psilocybin project run by Timothy Leary. Grob described the rampant drug use that characterized the 60s as out of control and said his and others' current research said about his research that they're trying to stay under the radar. We want to be anti-Leary. We are serious, sober scientists, he told me. Serious, sober scientists. Yeah, well, I mean, they obviously, they want to disassociate themselves from that because they don't want the DEA to right. put a stop to this stuff. Because I get it. Because really I mean, this is really important work they're doing. Yes. Sakuda's terminal diagnosis, uh, Sakuda is, again, uh, she was diagnosed with uh, terminal, I believe it was cancer. Uh, metastatic tumor removed from her colon. She uh, she was in trouble. She had six to fourteen months to live, and then after month fourteen, she was pretty upset, pretty depressed. She was ready, you know. She, death was apparently immediately in her future, and that was pretty depressing to her. So she got into this study. And it began in January of 2005. Grubb and his research team gave Sakuda various psychological tests, uh, including the Beck Depression Inventory and the Sty-Y Anxiety Scale, to establish baseline measures of her psychological state and to rule out any severe psychiatric illness. He says we wanted, the study author says, we wanted psychologically healthy people, said Grob, people whose depressions and anxieties are not the result of mental illness, but rather, he explained, as a response to having a devastating disease and expecting to die. Sakuda would take part in two sessions, one with psilocybin, one with niacin, which is an active placebo that can cause some flushing in the face. The study was double blind, which meant that neither the researchers nor the subjects knew what was in the capsules being administered. So on the first day of her first session, on the day of her first session, Sakuda was led into a room that researchers had transformed with flowing fabrics and fresh flowers to help create a soothing environment in an otherwise cold hospital setting. Sakuda swallowed a capsule and lay back on the bed and wait, waited. Grob had invited her, as researchers do with all their subjects, to bring objects from home that had special significance. These objects often personalized the session room for the volunteer and often prompt the patient to think about loved ones or important life events. Because again, set in setting, very important if we're dealing with uh, psychedelic drugs. Now, the author, one of the authors said, I think it's kind of goofy, but the thinking is that with the aid of the psychedelic, you may come to see the object in a different light. It may help bring back memories. It promotes introspection. It can be a touchstone. It can be a grounding. Now, Sakuda uh, brought a few pictures of her loved ones, uh, which she clutched in her hands as she lay back on the bed. By her side were the researchers, uh, both of whom stayed with the subjects for the six- to seven-hour treatment session. Sakuda knew there would be time set aside in the days and weeks following when she would meet uh, with the team to process what would happen in that room. Black eye shades were draped over her face, encouraging her to look inward. 
She was given headphones. Music was piped in. The sounds of rivers rushing, sweet staccatos, keep,、uh, deep drumming. Each hour, Grob and his staff checked in with Sakuda as they did with every subject, asking if everything was okay and taking her blood pressure. At one point, Grob observed that Sakuda, with the eye shades draped over her face, began to cry. Later on, Sakuda would reveal to Grob that the source of her tears was a keen, empathetic understanding of what her spouse Norbert would feel when she died. Grob set up the eye shades, the objects, the mystical music, the floral aromas, and flowing fabrics was drawn from the work of Stanislav Grove, a psychiatrist born in Prague and the father of the study of psychedelic medicine for the dying. In the mid 60s, before words like acid and bong and deadhead transformed the American landscape, at a time when psychedelics were not illegal because most people didn't even know what they were and thus had no urge to ingest them, Grove began giving the drug to cancer patients. So, again, this is it's what's old is new again. Uh, he began giving the drug to cancer patients at Spring Grove State Hospital and documenting their effects. He kept、uh, careful notes of his many psychedelic sessions. And then, in, it's funny that the original,、uh, the original scientist here was named Groff, G R O F, and the new guy is Grob, G R O B. But anyway, Groff, the original guy, kept careful notes about his many psychedelic sessions. And in his various papers and books derived from those sessions, he described cancer patients clenched with fear, who, under the influence of LSD or DPT, experienced relief from the terror of dying. And not just during their psychedelic sessions, but for weeks. And months afterwards. And this is similar to some of the things we've talked about before with some similar studies going on here, whether it's、uh, using LSD to treat alcoholism or using、uh, ma- magic mushrooms to help people with depression. There was one about how、um, magic mushrooms drastically changed a person's personality. In a positive、uh, manner. For months afterwards. Right. And that was also similar to the one that、uh, was, I think it was mushrooms, psilocybin being used to treat PTSD. Yeah. Where one treatment for 80% of the people that took this in the study, one treatment cured the PTSD. After none of the medical science stuff, none of the allopathic medicine、uh, treatments were working, this was a last ditch effort, and it cured it. So, the, what, comes out, what can come out of these experiences is pretty incre- incredible. So, Groff continued his investigations into psychedelics for the dying until the culture caught up with him, the recreational use of drugs and the reaction against them leading to harsh anti drug laws.、Uh, Richard Nixon famously called Timothy Leary the most dangerous man in America. I wonder why. And I think this comes back, we can talk more about it here in a little bit, but I think the reason why Leary would be called the most dangerous man in America is because in some of these experiences, in, in the right circumstances, you can have empathy toward other people. You can find maybe、uh, empathetic connections that hadn't existed before. You can have realizations. And one guy in this article, a little bit later on, really sums up the psychedelic experience, I think, pretty well. I mean, words, it's pretty hard to sum it up with words,、yes. but this guy does a really good job of it. And、uh, so we'll come back around to that point in a moment. Financing for psychedelic studies dried up at that time, and Groff turned his attention to developing, alterna-、uh, to developing alternative methods of accessing higher states of consciousness. It's only now, decades later, that Grob and a handful of his fellow scientists feel they can finally re examine Groff's methods and outcomes without risking their reputations. So we'll continue here on、uh, this incredibly important news about psychedelics and how it's, they're helping people、uh, accept the idea of death. It's Free Talk Live. 
Free Talk Live amplifiers get access to higher quality archives free of commercial breaks and other perks. Join AMP for just $3 per month at amp.freetalklive.com. is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want at 855-453-SACL-CAI toll-free line. 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We will give you the features there, and the site is back up. So head on over there. Enjoy the stuff you'll find, and if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can do that by shopping with us. Go to shop.freetalklive.com. You'll find links there to uh, the... Amazons of the world, at least a few of the Amazons, uh, the UK Amazon, the Canada Amazon, the US Amazon. You click into the right Amazon that's right for you and then get your shopping taken care of. You'll get the great Amazon deals that you're used to, uh, free Super Saver shipping available on a lot of their brand new items. And you'll help Free Talk Live as well because when you enter through shop.freetalklive.com, Free Talk Live gets a portion of the purchase price. So shop.freetalklive.com to start your online shopping experience. Now, there's uh, something that you probably shouldn't get at Amazon. I, you can buy a little bit of it here and there, like silver and gold. You want to go through uh, our friends over at Midas Resources. If you're looking for gold and silver, because we've teamed up with them to offer you some very special rates on handpicked gold and silver pieces like U.S. Eagles and British Sovereigns, 20 Franks, Lakota Nation, Silver Rounds, and others. You can go to silver.freetalklive.com and order a bunch of them, because the more you order, the better the shipping deal. Eight seven seven eight five seven ninety nine thirty eight. You can order by phone as well. Tell me you heard about it from Free Talk Live. Eight seven seven eight five seven ninety nine thirty eight, or go to silver.freetalklive.com. We're talking about a uh, what I consider to be probably one of the most important news items I've read in mainstream media. Uh, this is this is even better than that uh, with that twenty twenty special they did years ago on MDMA, which was a pretty fair special. Uh, but I mean, this thing is like glowing reviews for the use of psychedelic drugs in treatment of medical uh, situations, whether we're talking about alcoholism or whatever. But specifically, this article is about how psychedelic drugs can help patients face death. So it started out talking about a lady, uh, Ms. Sakuda, who was uh, terminally, terminally ill, told she had six to 14 months to live. She passed the 14-month mark and got really depressed. And uh, then she went through this study where she was given psilocybin, which is the active psychedelic ingredient in magic mushrooms, and was done in a hospital environment, but they made it kind of nice. They put up flowing sheets, and they had music and you know flowers and things like that in the room. She had pictures of her loved ones, and uh, she had a, a really important experience. And it goes into more about that uh, with her husband, Norbert. He remembers picking his wife up from the medical center after her first session and seeing that this deeply distressed woman was now glowing from the inside out. That's how he described her, glowing from the inside out. Before Pam Sakuda died, she described her psilocybin experience on video, saying, I felt this lump of emotions welling up, almost like an entity. She said, I started to cry. Everything was concentrated and came welling up, and then it started to dissipate, and I started to look at it differently. I began to realize that all of this negative fear and guilt was such a hindrance to making the most of and enjoying the healthy time that I'm having. Sakuda went on to explain that under the influence of the psilocybin, she came to a very visceral understanding that there was a present, a now, and that it was hers to have. 
two weeks after Sakuda's psilocybin sessions. The study author, uh, Mr. Grobe, readministered the depression and anxiety assessments. So they assessed her before taking uh, the psilocybin and then again after. Over all his subjects, he found that their scores on the anxiety scale at one and three months after the treatment demonstrated a sustained reduction in anxiety. Meaning it wasn't like for the next week, it was sustained. It just continued. It was an effective change to how they looked at their lives and their thought processes. That's so cool. Yeah. (laughs) The researchers uh, wrote this in the Archives of General Psychiatry. They also found their subject scores on the Beck Depression Inventory dropped significantly at the six-month follow-up. The dose of psilocybin that we gave our subjects was relatively low in comparison to the doses in Stanislav Grof's studies. Uh, according to the author, nevertheless, and even with this modest dose, it appears the drug can relieve the angst and fear of dying. And that's huge. I mean, because humans, by nature, we're afraid of death. Yeah. It keeps us alive. I mean, it makes sense to a certain extent. Right. It's a really ego-driven thing. You know, the ego doesn't want to uh, to die. And so it's very, you know, it's going to do what it can, flight or, f- or fight, uh, so to speak, to uh, to keep itself alive. But there's more commentary here from some of these other – there's other people involved in these studies that I think will shed some light on what they learned in their experiences. Lori Reamer is a 48-year-old survivor of adult-onset leukemia. Before the leukemia, she was an anesthesiologist and committed agnostic who believed in validity and reliability, and the scientific method was her route to truth. Reamer recalls the morning when all that changed. When utterly depleted, she bumped her leg on a railing and saw a bruise rush up livid on her pale flesh. It was then she knew something was terribly wrong. After that came the diagnosis of the adult-onset leukemia, the bone marrow biopsies, the terrible trek toward a recovery that was tentative at best. She says, I believed I was going to die. Reamer made it through her leukemia, or rather she went into remission, but the illness and the brutal bone marrow treatments she underwent left a deep mental scar. A profound fear that the cancer would return made it difficult to experience any joy in life. Her illness was lurking around every corner, waiting to haul her away. She said, when I was near death, I wasn't so afraid of it. But once I went into remission, well, I had an intense fear and anxiety around relapse and death. It was in the midst of this fear that one day in May of 2010, Reamer learned about Griffith's study at Johns Hopkins. And for years, he'd been studying the effects of psilocybin on healthy volunteers. He wanted to see if particular doses of the drug could induce mystical states similar to naturally occurring ones. Think Joan of Arc or Paul on the road to Damascus. Griffith says that he and his research team found an ideal range of dosage levels, 20 to 30 milligrams of psilocybin. Now, I don't have on the top of my head, maybe uh, you could pull up from Arrowhead, Julia, what the uh, you know standard well, psychedelic dose of psilocybin I'll is. I'll look it up right now. But the thing with psilocybin, most people, when they take psilocybin, they take it with mushrooms. And, if and you they, can't you measure. Can't, no, yeah, exactly. So I'm like, I could never begin to tell you what the dosage I've taken is. I'm sure it's varied a lot. That, I'll look it up. He says that not only reliably stimulated the 20 to 30 milligrams stimulated mystical insights, but also elicited sustained positive changes in attitude, mood, and behavior in the study volunteers. Specifically, when he administered a psychological test called the Death Transcendence Scale at the 1 in 14 month follow up, he saw subjects' ratings rise on statements like, quote, Death is never just an ending, but part of a process. And. My death does not end my personal existence. And these are, you know, big ego death statements here. I mean, the idea that, uh, you know, there's more beyond your existing life. 
Uh, he says that their, their ratings rose on those statements. After transcendent experiences, people often have much less fear of death, says Griffiths. Fourteen months after participating in a psilocybin study that was published in the Journal of Psychopharmacology, 94% of the subjects in the study said it was one of the five most meaningful experiences of their lives. 94% said wow. that. 39% said it was the most meaningful experience in their life. Their experience on 20 to 30 milligrams of psilocybin was, for almost 40% of the study participants, the most meaningful experience in their entire life. I can see how that would be the case. I have personally done, I did, spent quite a bit of time when I was a young person doing psychedelics, and I definitely look at those experiences still, even though it's been 10 years, um, very highly on my top experience list the toll-free number here if you'd like to add to this conversation because there's there's more uh to this story it's really i think incredible uh, that this kind of news is getting the level of coverage it's getting here in the new york times uh, 855-450-FREE is the toll-free number but 94 percent saying it was one of the five most meaningful experiences of their lives that's huge and again, go back to that quote from uh, from Richard Nixon. Timothy Leary's the most dangerous man in America. Something's wrong. Something's seriously wrong. Yeah. Because you've got what the government people are saying. But whoa, these drugs are bad. And I'm not saying go out and use them willy nilly. They are very powerful. And you need to do your research. If you're going to do these things. And on Free Talk Live, we accept the idea that people are going to use mind-altering substances. It's just what humans do. I mean, some humans don't. They're straight edge. But generally, human beings, even animals, are interested in, in altering their states of consciousness. I mean, you, can, you can look in the forest. You can catnip. See, you can see catnip, obviously. Uh, deer will eat uh, marijuana buds right off the plant. I mean, th- th- there are uh, other animals that will eat fermenting fruits. I mean, it's clear that uh, part of the experience, the animal experience, is to alter one's own states. But uh, doing it on a, in, in as safe a manner as possible is important. And there are great resources online to help you do that. Arrowid.org is one of them. Uh, lots of good information there from scientific information and statistics to uh, personal experiences, trip reports. 855-450-FREE is the SACL CAI toll-free line. But there's a real dichotomy there between uh, one guy, you know, Richard Nixon, saying... That uh, this, Timothy Leary is the most dangerous man in America because he was advocating the use of psychedelics. And then on the other hand, these people taking these psychedelics in these studies, 94% saying the most experience, uh, meaningful experience, one of them. I am so excited about Porkfest this year. Porkfest? What's that? It's the Porcupine Freedom Festival, a fun and educational camping event put on every summer by the Free State Project. This year it's going to be happening June 18th to the 24th at Rogers Campground in Lancaster, New Hampshire. Okay, I like camping and I definitely like freedom, but my budget is tight. Tickets are only $30 for the whole week if you get them before May 1st. Well, that sounds reasonable, but what goes on there? (laughs) What doesn't go on at Porkfest? There are speakers, family fun, dance parties, karaoke, a comedy roast, hiking, campfires, sports, a wedding, and all kinds of delicious food. But the part that I like best is spending time with other people who love freedom. Mm, That's sounding pretty good to me. Where can I go to learn more? Check out Porkfest.com and make sure you spell pork like a porcupine. P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. Like what you see? Looks like a blast. Okay, I'm in. See you at Porkfest. While you're there, check out how you can become a VIP, very important porcupine, for a modest donation. See you at Porkfest. 
This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into the third hour of the program. You can bring up whatever's on your mind at 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. All the features that await you there, give them away. You can actually go and create the content on the front page of the website. So the way you do it is you find something online that you think is interesting, you think our other listeners would enjoy, like this piece we're sharing with you here about psychedelic drugs helping patients face death. You could submit something like that. You submit the URL to the website, uh, put in a little description, and then other people will vote as to whether or not they like or dislike your suggestion. The most voted up will make it to the front page in the top of the site over at freetalklive.com, which means more people see it. We're more likely to see it, maybe talk about it on the air. And, of course, if you want to chime in here in this discussion, for those of you just tuning in, uh, let me give you a bit of a recap because this, to me – This is one of the most important news articles I have ever seen because I think that telling the truth about drugs is one of the most important things that we can do. And the reasons they're giving uh, for in this article called How Psychedelic Drugs Can Help Patients Face Death, the experiences that they're relating with people, I think are so critical that other people hear them, especially people who've only heard the the you know the negative side of drugs you know the crackheads stealing and the meth heads blowing up their own houses and killing their children i mean there's some real nasty sides of drugs people robbing each other and uh, couples you know stealing from one another and rip- just all kinds of there's all kinds of bad stuff associated with the the use and addiction to drugs but that doesn't mean that it's all bad for it- that reason the only exception is my job, but I'm very, very open about my drug use. I always have been because, you know, I'm a responsible drug user. I don't use drugs very often. I have used plenty. Uh, I've had mostly positive experiences. I haven't gone through any hardcore addiction, and I like people to know that because there I'm, was a time when you were less responsible with your yes. drug use. That's why I said mostly positive. Right. I did have a dark hour, but I. But that you was know, your I, choice. Yeah, and I I learned a lot from it. You know what I mean? And and it was it was my choice, and it wasn't anything really bad like heroin or. I've never uh, gotten into that situation myself. I've used some drugs, probably nowhere near as uh, as much as as you have in the in the past. And um, most of my experiences have been have been pretty positive. But as we've been talking about. Uh, set and setting is very important. We're talking Correct. about psychedelic drugs and how uh, they can help patients face death. And these studies that are being done that show that uh, that people who have taken part in these studies, 94% in one study on uh, psilocybin, which is the active ingredient in magic mushrooms, 94% of them said it was one of the most uh, the five one of the five most meaningful experiences of their lives. 39% in the study said it was the most meaningful experience. So that kind of a statement is a whole world away from being a crackhead robbing somebody in the street for another hit. Right. right? That's not a meaningful experience. So there's a big there's a big range in the realm of Ill- illegal drug use and no one ever explores this other range. So that's why this other part of the the range. This is why I, you know, think this article is so important because it it does explore it. It's honest about the fact that these drugs can be used in very positive ways. And we're not talking about meth here. We're talking about psychedelics. We're not talking about crack. We're not talking about like these hardcore heroin, you know, these addictions, although obviously opiates have their own uses. But we're talking about psychedelics. So LSD, psilocybin, and they're even including MDMA here in uh, the term psychedelics. I don't think it's quite accurate, but it, an MDMA is an empathogen. 
while these other things are entheogens. But nonetheless, people have certainly had similar experiences like this one on MDMA. I actually read a really interesting experience. Um, I'm not sure where it was, but a family was taking part of some sort of experiment where they had access to pharmaceutical grade MDMA Mm -hmm. and the dad was dying of cancer or something Mm -hmm. horrible and the whole family did it together and they did it a few times and like the, you know, the father, well, first of all, it's, he said that it was the only time that he ever wasn't in pain Mm -hmm. um, because MDMA has a, a lot of really strong pain relieving qualities, but also, you know, the family was able to share that experience together before he died and they were able to come to terms with it. And he, you know, said that it really was a wonderful experience. Right. So how you're coming into it, your uh, your intentions for the experience are very important. The set and setting, uh, very important. And the doctors uh, that are running these studies, they take all this into into consideration when they're doing it. And people, as a result, have the most meaningful experience in their life. It's something that sticks with them. They're lessons that they can take away, they can recount, that matter. So let me continue. Wondering whether he should see the same or could see the same shifts in attitude in terminally ill patients, he designed a study that gave subjects a high dose of psilocybin in one session and a dose that varied from subject to subject in a second session. Because the study's continuing, Griffiths didn't want to discuss the precise amounts of the drug given, but that he said that the dose selection in the cancer study is informed by what we've learned in prior studies. At the end of September 2010, Lori Reamer took her first dose of psilocybin. She says, I mostly just cried through that session. Now, this is the woman who had uh, leukemia, adult onset leukemia, and she kind of it went into remission, but she was afraid that it was going to come back. So she was kind of living in this, this fear mentality. Right. So she took her first dose in September 2010. She says, I mostly just cried through that session. Three weeks later, she went back to Johns Hopkins for a second dose. She remembers a lovely room with a large plush couch. Dr. Griffiths entered and wished her well. Reamer had pictures of her children and items that reminded her of her recently deceased father. And after swallowing the psilocybin capsule, she sat with two study coordinators and looked at the memorabilia. She talked about what each item meant to her, waiting for the drug to take effect, assessing her own internal state. And then it happened, she told me. I was at first sitting up on the couch and talking about my daughter's baby blanket, which I'd brought with me. And then I went supine. They dimmed the lights. I got dark eye shades. They put headphones on me, and music started pouring into my ears. Some dark opera, some choral music, some mystical music. There was a bowl of grapes. They were big, juicy grapes, she says. And she remembers the sweetness, the freshness, and the tiny seeds embedded in the gel. Once the drug took effect, she lay there and rode the music's dips and peaks. She said her mind became like a series of rooms, and she could go in and out of these rooms with remarkable ease. In one room, there was the grief that her father experienced when Reamer got leukemia. In another, her mother's grief, and in another, her children's. In yet another room was her father's perspective on raising her. She says, I was able to see things through his eyes, and through my mother's eyes, and through my children's eyes. I was able to see what it had been like for them when I was so sick. Reamer took the psilocybin at about 9 in the morning, and its effects lasted until approximately 4 in the afternoon. That night at home, she slept better than she had in a long time. The darkness finally stopped scaring her. And she was willing to go under, not because she knew she would come back up, but because under was not as frightening anymore. Why she was less afraid to die is hard for her to explain. She says, I now have the distinct sense that there's so much more. So many different states of being. I have the, dis- I have the sense, she says, that death is not the end, but just part of a process, a way of moving into a different sphere, a different way of being. So 
when you think about that, you have to ask yourself, why would someone say that these things are so bad? What is their motivation? You know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all. And I, I think that there's a lot of different motivating factors for people. But but someone somewhere, right, has to know that this stuff makes people feel good. It's mind-opening, and they don't like that, right? Right. Because if you think about what drug is legal, what is it? Alcohol. Alcohol. Not now, a mind expander. No. It is actually a dumb downer. Yep. <laughs> I, I mean, I love alcohol. I, I wouldn't say I love it like I'm an alcoholic, but I have drank, 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 drank my fair drank my share, share of alcohol, and I enjoy a nice drink. I don't like getting drunk, but I like a nice drink. I've actually quit recently again. I kind of have cycles where I'll, I'll yeah. go in and, me and too, drink for actually. a little while. But I usually drink responsibly. I don't I don't go overboard anymore. You taught me that, and, uh, and thank you for that, uh, how to drink responsibly. But to go ahead with what you're saying about alcohol. But, but the point is, when I drink, I, this is how I personally view drinking. I feel that drinking just continually, like slowly, shuts down your brain and your body functions, right? Because I mean, first goes your like vision and your and your motor skills go Eventually, and your, your balance. Ability to hold your, you to <laughs> your hold PM. your bladder to stand up, right? Yeah. So you just slowly start to shut down. That's how I see it. Yeah, not good. No. Eight five five four fifty free. So why are these drugs illegal? Who stands to benefit from that? 855-450-FREE. There's more coming up on people's experiences, what they had in these studies. It's fascinating. It's Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. Free Talk Live, toll-free number here, 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com, and you can enjoy the various features that uh, you have awaiting for you there. Over at freetalklive.com tonight, it's Ian here with you. And Julia. And want to invite you to Pork Fest 2012, the Porcupine Freedom Festival, P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. You don't want to miss this. If you love liberty, that is, you want to be at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. There are over, probably going to be over a thousand people, if last year is any indicator, and it usually is, uh, that are going to be enjoying uh, one another's company in the camp uh, Rogers Campground in northern New Hampshire. And it's all week long, but if you can only make it for the weekend, come up for the weekend. It'll be worth it. Uh, there's going to be musical acts. There are going to be panel discussions, family activities. All kinds of people are going to be attending this. So everything from you know the family stuff to the adult parties. I mean, it is an absolute blast. I know the Big Gay Dance Party is going to be returning for its third year, which is so, so much fun. And uh, so there's some, so much happening. I can't tell you possibly everything that's going on because there's stuff that's on the official schedule and then there's stuff that just happens on its own just because there are hundreds of people are there. You've got uh, vendors that are completely unlicensed, vendors that are doing business without asking the state's permission. That's always a lot of fun. You get great, uh, interesting food and all kinds of fun stuff there. Porkfest.com, P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T.com. You've got until the end of this month to get the early bird discount. So get your registration locked in now. Get your campsite taken care of because... Because, you know, this could be a sellout. I don't think that's we've ever had a total sellout of the entire park, but 
It keeps getting bigger and bigger every year. Eventually, Rogers Campground is not going to be able to handle the Porcupine Freedom Festival just because this keeps getting larger. So uh, go ahead and go to Porkfest.com. You can learn more about the event there, P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T.com. That is if you love liberty. If you don't, don't come to Porkfest. You won't like it very much. 855-450-FREE, the toll-free number here. We're sharing with you an article which I consider one of the most important I've ever read. And I think one of the most important for anyone to read, especially people who've heard stories about drugs uh, their whole life. You know, if, if you went to D.A.R.E. class and you believed everything they told you, this is the article for you. Because it has, I mean, it's just such an important piece talking about how it's the New York Times talking about how psychedelic drugs like LSD or psilocybin can help patients who are facing death actually handle that. They, they can come to, the, the, come to some closure, come to the idea of being able to accept the idea of their own death and not be so afraid of it. Uh, there's one lady who had uh, psilocybin administered to her. She had adult-onset leukemia. It had gone into remission, and she was frightened, so frightened that it was going to come back. She was living in this constant state of fear, and after, uh, after one dose, uh, what she had to say was that, quote, I now have the distinct sense that there's so much more, so many different states of being. I have the sense that death is not the end, but just part of a process, a way of moving into a different sphere, a different way of being. That was her quote. Now, there's more to this piece, but let's go to you and your thoughts. Zelly is listening in my hometown of Sarasota, Florida, listening to WSRQ. Hey, Zelly. Hi, how are you? Hey, great. What's on your mind tonight? Um, I was just listening to the show. I've personally done psychedelics, and it has completely broadened my horizons. Everything that they say about them being negative or being in a bad state is not true. Well, like, now, if, yeah. before you go on, if you go okay. into a psychedelic thinking you're going to have a bad time, you probably are going you to will. have a bad time. You will. Exactly. You will. It's all a state of mind. But once you go in there with a positive state of mind, it will completely transform your life into something a billion times better. You see things through eyes you would have never seen before. Like and the whole world becomes beautiful. You become in touch with it. Like I would say that psychedelics have really given me an appreciation for nature. Oh, yeah. Exactly, Beauty in nature. Exactly. Really. You really see the trees in another way, the grass, everything, the flowers, the moon, the stars. It's amazing. It's really nice. Uh, thank you, Zelly, for that. Anything else you want to share tonight? Um, just don't listen to what they say. They do have a lot of beneficial properties. My mom passed away um, before I did them, and I did them after. And before I was a little bit worried about, you know, is she gonna like, is she gonna be like, go on? Is she gonna be in a better place? And after I did those, I had it completely from. I was like, yeah, she is in a better place. Thanks for sharing your experience, Ellie. I really appreciate hearing from you tonight. 855-450-FREE is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Barry is listening in West Virginia, Charleston's WVTS. Hey, Barry. Hi, how are you all today? Great. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, well, I want to preface it by I'm a conservative person. I love liberty, and uh, I'm a former police officer, and I've been married three times. So, with that said... My first wife, we used to go out picking mushrooms. Now, wait, was this while you were a police officer? No, this was afterwards. Okay. <laughs> but I've, I've, uh, I've picked mushrooms and ate them and all that. And this one time, we got a bad batch, and uh, my wife died from it. Oh, my God. Uh, and then uh, my second wife, she, uh, she died from a trauma to the back of her head because she wouldn't eat poison mushrooms 
Sorry, I like to tell that joke. But oh, it, with that sorry, said, it wasn't funny. <laughs> yeah. I, with that said, I think uh, mushrooms are good for people. Well, I, mean, let's, I, wanna, I want you to get into why here in a moment, but let's revisit the uh, the tragic, you know, death briefly here. Uh, if you know. You're picking mushrooms out in the wild. If you don't know exactly what you're doing, uh, then it can be very dangerous. I mean, mushrooms are poisonous. Uh, psilocybin yeah. is essentially a poison. You're just getting a low, do- a low you dose know, of it. Somebody called the show once and said that that wasn't true and really? gave us a link, and I'm going to look for it. Okay, maybe it's not true, but my mushrooms but, can well, be very it is, deadly. No, it is true. Okay. Well, either, either way, if drugs were, of course, legal, then these mold spores could be cultivated properly in laboratory environments, and then there would be no way that anyone could get the wrong mushroom if they were buying it from a store shelf. Uh, anyway. Well, that's correct. But the, the, the way you tell is you go to a cow pasture, you go there before sunrise, and you get the ones that don't die, or you get the ones that die after the sun hits So. That's the ones that you pick. The other ones you leave alone. You also, we used to flick them, and if they they would turn like blue, they would have like yeah. a blue ring around them. I would do more research than just taking uh, Barry's word for it. Uh, you know, d- definitely go online and start digging around if that's something you want to do. But it's, it's still it's a yeah, risky. So I would do that as well. Thank a risky you very process. Much. Well, Barry, wait, wait, wait. Tell me more about your experience oh. and why it was uh, important. Uh, well, like the lady before. She, it, it just, it made everything bright. It made everything uh, lively. Uh, you actually saw trees brighter, greener. Uh, you can almost feel the texture with your eyes. Uh, and uh, I was actually training a dog to search and rescue, and we were out in the forest, and it in it intensifies nature, and I'm a Christian, and I believe that's the way God intended us to observe nature, through his magical way of looking at things. And well, yeah, if you want to approach it from the uh, you know the Christian perspective, uh, you know, God put things here for a reason, right? <laughs> so Yeah, and, and you also have to be careful of what you eat what you don't need, so. No doubt. Barry, thanks for the the, th- the call and the thoughts. Appreciate your experience, and I'm sorry to hear about the, the tragic uh, occurrence there. And these are one of the things that, these are things that ha- can happen, you know, because of prohibition. Had Barry and his wife been able to go into a local pharmacy and get some mushrooms off the shelf, she'd still be alive today. 855-450-FREE. SACL CAI toll free line. Your thoughts are certainly welcome. More coming up here. 855-450-FREE. Free Talk Live. You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752. This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves at 855-453. The SACL CAI toll-free line. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. And enjoy the features that await you there. We've got listening options. You can get tuned into our live streams. 
broadband, midband, and narrowband versions. Different size stream bit rates for different internet connections. Over at listen.freetalklive.com. Plus, there's our radio stations, over 100 of them, AM and FM stations across the country. Our satellite listening choices, including XM Satellite Radio and our free-to-air KU band channel, the webcam and the listen lines. So many different ways to get Free Talk Live into your ears. Get the details over at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com. We're talking about psychedelics and how, according to the New York Times and a number of studies that they're citing here, psychedelic drugs can help patients face death can help people come to really important conclusions about life in general and what it all means and how it's, uh, as one uh, patient put it, I love this quote, I have the distinct sense there's so much more, she says, a leukemia patient, so many different states of being. I have the sense that death is not the end, but just part of a process, a way of moving into a different sphere, a different way of being. And, uh, of course, Richard Nixon called Timothy Leary the most dangerous man in America. And I think that's a true statement if you look at it from the government's perspective. Because if people start to come to the conclusion that there's more to this life than this life, uh, if they start to come to the conclusion that everything's connected, then they're going to be less likely to be talked into going to war, for instance. Well, I love that video. You can Google this. It's our YouTube. It's uh, There's a British... Uh, soldiers, they gave them LSD without telling them. Yeah. And it's hilarious. It starts out, you know, like after 20 minutes, a few of them are kind of having trouble, like finding things. And like by the end of the hour, when they've started to really come up on the LSD, they're like climbing the trees to feed the birds. And I mean, they're no longer interested. Wars in over if you want it. Guns down. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you have to wonder. So this is dangerous. I mean, these, these conclusions that people can come to when on psychedelics and right set and are very dangerous to the status quo because they'll bring down borders, they'll bring down the divisions, and the governments thrive off of creating divisions between people. Right and they, left. Right, right and left, our country, your country. Pro-life, pro-choice, yeah, whatever it red, is. red, blue. I mean, the, the, these divisions keep people at odds with one another. They keep people thinking that everybody's the enemy and that we all need to force one another to behave in certain ways. And governments benefit from this. They benefit from these divisions, whether we're talking about class or whatever it is that the divisions are. But if people take these drugs and they realize that everything's connected and that uh, there's more beyond this life, and that death is not important. It's just a, a, another event in a series of uh, of long, you know, life eternal events or whatever. Then they'll start to look at things differently, and they'll be less likely to to hurt their fellow man and uh, or hate their fellow man. And if that's the case, then <laughs> governments are done. So I think that that's one of the reasons why that uh, these drugs are are illegal. Anyway, let's go back to Charles in India. We'll continue the New York Times piece because there's still more important information to get out from it. Uh, Charles, you're listening to WXNT. What's on your mind tonight? Actually, I've heard a lot of things I'd like to mention. First of all, psilocybin is not toxic, and I think you can look up at Airwood and and verify that. Now, that doesn't mean that people won't mistake other mushrooms for psilocybin, and certainly the Amanitas, which are what were known as the Soma mushrooms that were used by the Siberian shaman, those certainly have a toxic dose. Hmm. So, I mean, there's a lot of generalities that I've kind of heard tonight that folks really need to be clear on, and that kind of goes to the heart of the whole psychedelic experience. You know, LSD is very different from MDMA or uh, ayahuasca or magic mushrooms, and so the the reason that these things have always been used in a guided shamanic, uh, for lack of a better term, 
setting in the past is that you really do need someone there that can kind of guide you and watch you. And, and in a way, that's the reason why Tim Leary was the most dangerous man in America is because he advocated that everybody drop acid and just go with the experience. And, and I've done a fair amount of LSD in my life. And I can tell you that every time I do LSD, it's a fairly significant uh, intellectual and emotional experience, whereas the the whole psilocybin and some of the other uh, substances, it, it doesn't compare at all. So I, I, I think th- this thing is really deep, and it, it's a lot uh, deeper textured than kind of the way I'm hearing it explained here. Well, I mean, as we pointed out, we're sharing experiences from these studies. I would recommend people do research. And you're right, we're actually looking into the psilocybin uh, being a poison claim here uh, during the break. And that's what Julia found is not uh, actually a poison. But, um, you know, obviously we can only uh, get so deep into this. But we would, we would recommend people drop by to erowid.org, E-R-O-W-I-D.org, and, and really get into learning about these things before they try them. I totally agree with you, Charles. I mean, it is all about set and setting. Uh, and I'm not too familiar with Timothy, Timothy Leary's work. And if he wasn't uh, recommending that people do these things responsibly, then that's that's a shame. I, you know, that's that's too bad. Uh, well, but- I, I, I lived through that time, and and Tim was very definitely into uh, folks just you know dropping acid. I mean, uh, you know, Augustus Owsley made purple barrels that had you know milligrams of LSD, whereas. You know, today, I mean, most folks with, with five or six micrograms, that, that's a significant trip. So, you know, back in the You mean five days, or six hundred? <clears throat> it would I'm be. Sorry? You mean like five or six hundred? I mean, usually one, what is it, like 150 or something is a, is a typical dose of. Uh... Right. I'm sorry, five or six hundred micrograms, right. right. And, I mean, you know, some of the purple barrels, I mean, we're talking grams. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's nuts. And But, you know, it, 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 just like with the, the caller that talked to you about someone who, who uh, I, you know, I don't know if they, uh, did, I, did he say his wife died? His, his wife. They picked the wrong mushrooms. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, it, you, you can't mess with mushrooms if you don't know exactly what you're doing. But, but, do, but don't you agree? It's, I mean, that's prohibition that caused that. I mean, if they didn't have to go out picking mushrooms, they could just I go and buy them. I would certainly prefer to buy them from a shelf than... Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, obviously that adds to it. You know, prohibition is always bad. I mean, I, I can't think of a single situation where prohibition yeah, provides us with a positive anything. So, I mean, prohibition is always bad. But, Charles, you know, go, ahead. go ahead. Well, I, I, again, my, my, I kind of, I, I don't, I, I've never really done psychedelics as uh, uh, for recreational use, if you will. Um, my interest was always more from the the spiritual learning or, or what a lot of people for me that's my purpose too body. and uh, and I, I think that uh, you know everybody has their own uh, path and certainly I think you you've brought some good w- words of wisdom to this conversation I appreciate uh, your experience and your call thanks Charles eight five five four fifty free the SACL CAI toll freeland I don't think we were at any point advocating people just go out and just do drugs. Today. No, absolutely. I've heard, uh, I've seen a lot of people on Facebook, for example, who've maybe had a profound experience say something that I think is really irresponsible and not smart. Like, I think everyone should do acid once. And I don't think that at all. I can tell you right now, some people, my mother should never do psychedelic drugs, I don't think. MDMA wouldn't be a bad thing no, for everyone No, I would to do. love to do MDMA with my mother. All right. So uh, especially like people in the military and people that are more likely to hurt somebody else, let's, let's give them a dose of MDMA and yes. see how they feel after that. 
so uh, New York Times continuing here from the uh, just incredible piece called How Psychedelic Drugs Can Help Patients Face Death. Talking about the lady who uh, was a leukemia patient and had an amazing experience. She separated after, uh, afterwards from her husband. Eventually, she stopped practicing medicine and regularly began meditating. She bought a house and she said, she, I read somewhere that with my kind of leukemia, even if I stay in remission, the most I have left is 15 or 20 years. So that's my sentence. But after I die, well, there could be a next phase. I believe that now. Researchers acknowledge that it's not clear how psilocybin reduces a person's anxiety about mart- mortality. Now, well, <laughs> I don't think they're ever going to be able to figure out why it does what it does from the outside perspective. I mean, if you're just a researcher and you've never taken psilocybin, of course you're always going to be baffled about how it works, whether science will ever be able to figure out the uh, the actual connections. I. I I well, remain in doubt. I mean, I, I they're not even really positive how LSD reacts, you know, in the brain. They know of some things about it, but it's not as clear like MDMA pumps out the serotonin. With something like LSD, they know a few things about it, but they're not even really sure what else it does. We'll come back with uh, a little bit more on this and your calls, your thoughts. Actually, a guy on hold says he knew Tim Leary, so we'll see what he has to say here in a moment. 855-450-FREE, the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. The Seasteading Institute. They want to create freedom on the open seas. Did you know they're having a conference? You could meet fellow forward thinkers and discover where you fit into the up-and-coming, for-profit seasteading sector. It's May 31st to June 2nd at La Meridian Hotel in San Francisco. Discounted registration prior to May the 1st. Special rates for students and the press. Get 10% off with promo code FTL. Get registered before May the 1st at seasteading.freetalklive.com. Seasteading.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Moments remain, but maybe enough time for you and your call at 855-450-FREE. I'm talking about a really important article, and we're not going to have time to get through all of it, over at the New York Times called How Psychedelic Drugs Can Help Patients Face Death. Now, the New York Times has an annoying paywall that they have up on their site, but you can get around the paywall just by Googling the title and then clicking through the Google News link. It'll get you into it. Hmm. How psychedelic drugs can help patients face death. 855-450-FREE. Ian here with you tonight. And Julia. Uh, You can join us online over at freetalklive.com. If you want to help support the show, please go to amp.freetalklive.com. It's a great way to get behind Free Talk Live and help us get this program and the uh, you know things that we talk about here, liberty-oriented th- sorts of ideas, on to more radio stations around the country and into more people's ears on the internet. You get perks like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, the AMP-only podcast forum, and more. Get the details and get signed up with any major credit card through PayPal or use Visa or MasterCard right on our website. Go to amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. Let's go to Jerry listening in Charleston, West Virginia, to WVTS. Hey, Jerry. Hi. How are you doing tonight? Great. What's on your mind? Well, uh, I was uh, listening with great interest to one of your last speakers talk about his own experiences with LSD, and I thought I'd say I, I actually did not know Timothy Leary, but one of my undergraduate professors on the West Coast uh, knew Leary fairly well at Harvard and spoke about some of his, his experiences with Leary uh, when he was a student at Harvard in the Divinity School and Leary was teaching psychology here at Harvard. Um, he uh, he said that uh, 
it was a very interesting experience. Uh, like your last caller mentioned, uh, they did it in groups, and there was a fair bit of monitoring going on. Um, and he found it to, to be a revelatory experience. Um, I suspect that, you know, in terms of uh, what the people are talking about, I've not read the New York Times article yet, but I'll look for it. Uh, I've dealt with a lot of people in death and dying experiences, and um, I'm sure that it would be a, a useful tool for many people. Um, but the only thing I'd like to disagree with you about tonight, um, I wish, in the best of all possible worlds, that, uh, you know, uh, people were free enough to be able to pursue their own lives uh, in relative uh, tranquility. I'm not entirely sure, however, that uh, if everybody dropped acid, that, you know, we still wouldn't have enemies in the world. Oh, no, that wasn't the suggestion, although MDMA might help with that. Well, uh, I'll have to uh, defer to somebody else's experience on that. <laughs> well, MDMA is an empathogen. I mean, the definition of the term is you know, based on the uh, based from the term empathy, or the entomology rather of the term, and uh, and so therefore the love drug. Yeah, it can help people empathize with uh, one another and bring down those uh, those barriers. But I agree with you, and that's what Julia said earlier: is that LSD would not be something you'd want to just administer to uh, to everyone, because if you're not going into that with the right mindset, then it's not going to be a very good experience. And Jerry, thanks for the call and the thoughts tonight. Appreciate it. Eight five five four fifty free. And at no point have we advocated just uh, you know tune in, turn on, drop out, just you know take drugs. No, uh, but we do acknowledge that people will use drugs. And in that case, we would recommend that. I mean, I think like I can speak for you, Julia. We've talked about enough about this where I can use the term we. But uh, we here on Free Talk Live would recommend you do your due diligence and find out what you're getting into and do research prior to uh, doing anything like that. And then when you're actually going to do the psychedelic experience to follow best practices and have good sets, uh, good set and setting, uh, preferably be there with somebody who's not taking uh, the drug, who can act as a sitter, someone who's experienced with it uh, and experienced with uh, psychedelic drugs and can act as a sitter. So there are different suggestions. Would you have any other suggestions, Julia? Are those two, two no, most important? No, um, I would just emphasize set and setting. I, I think that not only do you have to be in a comfortable environment, but you also have to be in a uh, like a good mindset. The right mindset. Yeah. yeah. Don't come into it with fear. Don't right. come into and it with anxiety. Don't do it if you have something to do tomorrow. Like make sure yeah. there's plenty of time because I've definitely done it where it's lasted a lot longer than, than I wanted expected. it to and I haven't been able to go to sleep and I've had to go to work the next day yeah, and it's no been good. miserable. Researchers acknowledge it's not clear how psilocybin, the New York Times, reduces a person's anxiety about mortality, not simply during a trip, but for weeks and months following. One of the researchers says it's a bit of a mystery. I don't really have altogether a definitive answer as to why the drug eases the fear of death, but we do know that from time immemorial, individuals who have transformative spiritual experiences come to a very different view of themselves and the world around them and thus are able to handle their own deaths differently. Now, here's one of my favorite quotes from the article here. This is, I believe, one of the researchers, quote, on psychedelics. You have an experience. You can tell this is – he's done He's done them. Yeah. On psychedelics, you have an experience in which you feel there is something you're a part of. Something else is out there that's bigger than you, that there's a dazzling unity you belong to, that love is possible, and all these realizations are imbued with deep meaning. 
I'm telling you that you're not going to forget that six months from now. The experience gives you, just when you're on the edge of death, hope for something more. It's nice. If psilocybin can so reliably induce these life-altering experiences, why have the hundreds of thousands of Americans who have taken magic mushrooms recreationally not had this profound experience? Well, I think that the article jumps to a conclusion there. How do you know what those people have had as far as experience? Have you talked to them? You know, have you talked to the hundreds of thousands of people who've yeah. taken mushrooms? Probably millions of people who've taken mushrooms? No. So I don't really appreciate the author going there with that question. But uh, he asked it anyway, or the, uh, she asked it anyway of the, uh, one of the authors, or the study authors. Grob explains that in addition to the carefully controlled setting of these studies and the opportunity to process the experience with researchers, the subjects are primed for transcendence before they even take the drug. Unlike the recreational user, we process the experience ahead of time. We make it very clear up front that the hoped-for outcome is therapeutic, that they'll have less anxiety, less depression, and a greater acceptance of death. Subjects, in other words, intend to have a transformative experience. Grob says that psilocybin taken from this setting is existential medicine. And from that perspective, I agree with him in that your intentions going into it are probably one of the most important factors. I agree. So if you're going to take drugs to get effed up, then, yeah, maybe you're not going to have a transcendent uh, spiritual experience. Stick with alcohol and pills. Yeah, that'll F you up pretty good. Yeah. And if you want to have a transcendent spiritual experience, then prepare for that. And do the research necessary, get your set and setting correct, and you know, do as we had suggested. And you probably will. I know that the last time I took mushrooms, I took a walk uh, through a local park. And I was all by myself. And it was one of the most beautiful experiences I'd ever had. Like, the park itself looked like it was like a, almost like a watercolor painting that I was walking into. It was just incredible. It was during yeah. the fall. And so all the pretty fall colors were out. And like there was this father with his son like holding hands with their dog like way down the park. I mean, it literally looked like it was straight out of a, a painting. Uh, and there was more to it than that. But anyway, for all the eloquence of these explanations, however, something feels fuzzy about a phenomenon in which a cancer-ridden patient takes a pill and overcomes her fear of death, not just for the moment, for, but for weeks and months that follow. A recent British study published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences earlier this year may begin to help us understand what's happening. And I think we might have touched on this in the past. If we hadn't, now you'll get it. Uh, in the study, David Nutt, a psychiatrist at the Imperial College in London, and his team used an MRI to scan healthy volunteers dosed on psilocybin in order to capture the transition from normal waking consciousness to the psychedelic state. What does it look like on the MRI? The researchers found the states of unrestrained consciousness that accompany the ingestion of psilocybin are associated with a deactivation of regions of the brain that integrate our senses and our perception of the self. In depressed people, Nutt explains, one of those regions, the anterior cingulate cortex, is overactive, and psilocybin may work to shut it down. Nutt's planning a st- another study in which he'll give psilocybin to individuals with treatment-resistant depression and see whether the drug can ease some of depression's most recalcitrant symptoms. So that's interesting, isn't it? Like yes. When you take psilocybin, the science is showing that certain portions of your brain actually become less active. Meaning, the idea being that uh, these portions of your brain are essentially part of your ego, and so therefore your ego is sort of shutting down. Some people call it an ego death when they have these uh, experiences that can be something that happens. And so therefore, it's allowing your consciousness to flow better. I mean, because some people would suggest that there's a difference between your consciousness and your ego. 
that's for up, up for debate, I'm sure, but uh, I happen to agree with that. Perhaps uh, end-stage cancer patients are able to capture enduring benefits of psilocybin precisely because they're processing their drug experiences again and again with research staff, and in doing so are changing the way the brain encodes positive memories. The phenomenon might be similar to how other memories work. When we remember something sweet-smelling, the olfactory neurons in our brain start to stir. When we remember running, our motor cortex begins to buzz. If this is the case, then merely recalling the trip could resurrect its neural correlates, allowing the person to re- experience the insight the awareness and the hope and overall i think this article has a lot of hope makes in me it. all warm and fuzzy Isn't it great? inside all right we'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com again you can find the article how psychedelic drugs can help patients face death there's one more segment we didn't get to available now four new songs from raja mojo Raja Mojo. That's R-A-J-A-M-O-J-O. Raja Mojo. I call it democracy. Mojo. Everybody knows the game is rich. The poor stay poor, the rich stay rich. Four new songs from Raja Mojo. Buy them today at Amazon, iTunes, Napster, and at a discount at CDBaby.com.